feeling feel pretty creepy. Well, welcome to Creep Club, a podcast for the sick and twisted and the morbidly gifted where we wade through the blood and viscera of the horror genre and discuss which ones creep and which one should be put to sleep. And tonight, we're talking about Hellraiser from 1987. Hell yeah, brother. <laughs> <laughs> Little pinhead boy. Excited to talk about him. Oh my god, I'm, I have so much to say. <laughs> I have less to say about him and more to say about everyone else, actually. <laughs> okay. I have a lot to say about a lot of people. That, so. in a way, is saying something about him. You know? <laughs> Let's get into what this freaky deaky movie is all about, shall we? <laughs> all right. So we open up with a really sweaty guy with dirty nails. The dirty nails. My first note of all of my notes is just dirty fingers fetish. That's what this movie has. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it's dirty fetish, period. From sound to visual and, and goopy. goopy. Just tons of goopy. Real All right, goopy. we'll get to the goop. We'll get to the goop. We're, uh, it's the opening scene. So we're seeing Frank, brother Frank, come to daddy, Frank. And he is putting down a bunch of money for a puzzle box. So he gets this puzzle box. He takes it up into an attic. He's surrounded by candles. He begins to thumb around with it. And what happens? Chains come flying out and tear them apart. <laughs> Naturally. All right. And that's the opening scene, basically. So then we... Yeah. What, what was that yeah about? Did you just roll your eyes? No. Oh, okay. No, I was... Okay. I'm, I'm just being a... That was hostile. Oh, my God. I didn't mean to joke on you like that. I'm sorry. He's already feeling defensive. Oh, my God. This is I'm Tremor's... Not times too okay continue is that what we're stepping into no okay no i was not like for me. i not was like there's all. no way tanya's passing that's up what this. you're stepping into but we're not okay. there buddy yeah this one had spooky sex it's this for tanya spooky sex all right Goopy Goopy sex. Sex. Okay. Continue, continue, all right continue. so <laughs> frank's torn to pieces and all of a sudden a bunch of weird creatures come out and start putting his little face back together and then I think it absorbs his soul into the cube, and then they disappear. Then we cut to the house again, but this time it is a man and a woman, and their names are Julia and shit, Larry. Larry, yeah, the right? dad. Um, and what happens? They're just checking out the house, trying to decide if they want to move into this house. And I mean, he's like, "We're moving into this house," and she's like, "Are you fucking kidding me? This place is a rundown." It's a dump. Right, and the whole time he's talking shit about his brother, Frank, right? Like, oh, Frank was probably here running from the law or doing whatever he's doing. Yeah, it looked like someone was squatting. Yeah, it looked like he was squatting. There's moldy moldy food. There's drug paraphernalia. And uh, so he's assuming it's his brother, Frank. And we're given the impression that Julia is hearing about Frank for the first time. But we come to find out that actually Frank... And Julia had an affair. Are boinking. Are oh, boinking. Had an affair. Had an affair. Had been had yeah, been had boinking. boinking before Larry and Julia had gotten married. And no, on their like wedding night, right? Like he he shows up for the right, wedding. Right, they do fuck on the wedding dress. I don't know if you noticed that. 
Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah I noticed that. It wasn't <laughs> subtle. <laughs> um, okay, so it turns out that Frank gave it to Julia pretty good because Julia's pretty obsessed with Frank at this point, right? Is that... Yeah, and there's literally no reason for that other than he must be good at sex because he is a fucking bummer, that guy. He's a tool. He sucks. There's nothing about his personality that anyone would appreciate. Well, his personality his personality is very important in terms of like what the mythology of this whole movie is about, so we'll get into that. But essentially, I think... Well, Larry's a f- fucking square, right? So... Like, yeah. Julia was needing something a little more interesting, and Frank gave that to her, you know, cutting off her bra with a switchblade. and Yeah, I was upset because uh, you can't just do that to someone's property. Um, okay. And also... Yes, sorry. <laughs> are you about to defend the... No, no, no. I was just... Okay. I was Thank just going to say that my favorite underwear were dramatically torn in a sex act... It just in the heat of the moment, and I was so fucking pissed, and I like couldn't. Wow! You know when you have like, you know when you have like the perfect pair, and they can be expensive. Someone destroys that, and you're like, oh, that was not worth it. That may have felt good to you. You just destroyed my the only thing that makes me wake up in the morning. Thanks so much. Yeah, and you know it'd be fine if you talked about it beforehand, so you could get like you know another. I would change exactly. Yeah, I would exactly. change my underwear. You do whatever you want with these. These fucking suck. Okay. I did not realize that was such a key point. Okay, okay, okay. We're getting off track here. All right, so we find <laughs> out that Julia and Frank are fucking before Larry and Julia get married, and so we just kind of have this long, slow, orgasmic. Uh, walk down memory lane as Julia's walking through the house moaning and reflecting on all the time. Lots, lots of... of <sighs> yeah, yeah, lots of touch face... face touch touch facing, face touching, <laughs> and there's, you know, heavy breathing as she's thinking about all the time she had with Frank. So, uh, we're having all these flashbacks with Julia and Frank. At this point, they are moving into the house and we are introduced to Larry's... Uh, daughter from his first marriage Kirsty, and she comes over and what's funny is she's a big part of the franchise but she kind of doesn't do anything for the whole movie until the end does it feel like that to you guys she just she just kind of shows up and isn't the structure of the it, that goes along with the weird structure of the movie for yeah. me too where okay. it's like they tried to pack in a sequel in the middle of the movie well it's based on a book so they're trying to, like, build that world from the book, and sometimes it's hard uh, in a movie. But so, okay, so they're moving in. Um, Larry winds up cutting his hand on a nail as he's moving a bed up some stairs. And, Gratuitous. Yeah, like, so. really bloody. Like, I, yeah, that was, that's a lot of blood. So he gets very faint and is... He has some disease where his skin is, like, tissue paper. And plasticky looking. Um and silly putty esque. <laughs> it's the eighties. Come on, and we're all watching it on high def, so you know that kind of. Yeah. But um, so he's his hands bleeding real bad. He runs upstairs because he's about to pass out, and he asks Julia for help. And as he's bleeding everywhere, he winds up bleeding on the attic floor where Frank had conducted his ritual and where he was torn apart and abducted by the Cenobites. Uh, at that point, one of the greatest uh, practical effects. 
events begins to unfold as Goopy Frank oh, so slimy. starts emerging from the floor of the attic. I said for this moment, my note was Stranger Things could never. Because even though it was over the top and practical, it was really good. It was awesome. Yeah, it was. I enjoyed it. They run the gamut of quality of practical effects in this movie, I would say. But that was a moment where they started off really strong, I would say. Yeah, I, I would say I would say the special effects around the Cenobites and uh, around uh, Frank's uh, resurrection and reconstruction is like some of the best of the... It reminded me of Naked Lunch and the kind of like, f- just sort of like hyper-realistic, fleshy... Uh, surreal, just sort of lumps and bumps. <laughs> I don't know, it's hard to explain. Yeah, it's not like the gore you see in Saw or like Hostel, like modern horror movies where they really show gratuitous body horror. It's a different aesthetic in the 80s, that, that body horror. And it, it is, it's like a hyper real, uh, and obviously it's a product of the materials they're using and stuff. But it, And they're, and they're it, using like a, a color palette that is disgusting. It's like grayish beige. Yeah, it's all putrid. And red, and that's it. Like it's it's yeah. it's meant to just look like hunks of flesh. But and and, it, and the gore is oddly filmed kind of artistically. Oh yeah. Especially with Frank. Yeah, artistically in in heavy quotes. <laughs> yeah. And uh and uh yeah, cuz they pull out all kinds of different techniques and I, I would I would put this on like I don't know the cast and crew probably have an appreciation for slasher just like gory 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 stuff but also are like trying to make a more artistic film that's what it felt like and then where they land for me is like probably not as far on the art end of the scale that than they hoped but that here, would be my guess. Here's the thing. I don't think it's just about it being an artsy interpretation of gore because I think it has to do with something that's fundamental to the plot and to the nature of Frank and that he is a sadomasochist and this is about taking sadomasochism to another dimension and mm. that is a mixture of horror and ple- like pain and pleasure. Like this whole movie is about not being oh, able to yeah, distinguish they between. Oh yeah, beat you over the head. At... <laughs> well, I mean that's the whole thing. Like, um, well, okay, we'll we'll get into that. Let's let's kind of move forward in the plot a little bit more. So so basically, yeah. Okay, so uh, Frank rises all goopily out of the ground of the attic floor. Oh my god. Okay, sorry. When that's he right. says, "Frank, I'm Frank. I'm brother Frank." Yeah. He's just a skull. I laughed so hard. Alex came <laughs> home while that scene was happening and he walked in as that happened and i cackled it was beautiful not- <laughs> because it because it took me <laughs> from like this super intense practical effect that i was like genuinely impressed by and then there's a talking skull going it's me brother frank <laughs> yeah it it definitely the campiness of some of these uh lines it was uh chef's kiss i personally was, was chilled to the bone but let us <laughs> let us continue. Okay, so uh, he's hiding up. So Frank, uh, he's not even full. He's just like barely, like almost like a goopy skeletal fetus at this point. He can't even walk. He has to. That makes me laugh actually. Is when he crawls around. Um, he's all like dead legged. But um, so Julia goes up into the attic, 
and uh, I can't remember why she went up there, but she's up there, and she finds out that Frank is up there, and she's completely horrified. At first, she doesn't know it's Frank, and I think that's where the line comes in, right? It's brother Frank, and then mm-hmm. uh, and then as soon as she realizes it's Frank, then she's like, oh, yeah, all right, the guy I want to bone, the guy I'll do anything for, and long story short, it turns out Inexplicably. they re- yeah. It turns out that they realize yeah. that it's the blood that was bringing Frank back to his physical form, and so they need more blood. So now we go on a montage. Feed and, me, Seymour. Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> right. And so Julia hits the scene and starts bringing a series of bald men back to her house uh, for sex. Bald or balding. Bald or balding. And uh, instead of the sweet, sweet love they were hoping for, they got a hammer to the head. Uh, and then were hor- but not to death because then they were horrified as they were their life force was consumed by Frank. And so at this point, Frank is now rebuilding his physical form with the help of Julia. They get a fun new layer for each kill. Yeah. So, you know, like he started off like really just pretty bare bones, but wouldn't you say? And, uh, you know, got got a little bit goopy. Thanks for listening, everybody. On. This has been Creep Club. Have a yeah. good night. Um, you know, so his, his goopiness stages really level up, and I appreciated that because, you know, you got some fun, like, musculature going on by, like, kill number, I think, three at that point. Yeah, I made a note that he was hotter when when he just had a little bit of flesh on his bones, a little muscle <laughs> tissue, because his cheekbones were fucking insane. They were so pointy. <laughs> but uh, also, he just looked... I don't know. Were we supposed to think he was like a really hot guy in life? As a goopy guy, or no? As a as a real human guy, well, they, ga- they gave him vibes of being hot, sweaty, sexy guy. Well, here's a couple. Here's a couple of factors to to put in the equation. It's the eighties, right? They're in Britain. They're in Britain, and everybody in this production just looked like normal people. I would say. Uh, uh, with the daughter Kirsty, like she's more like attractive. She's conventionally, yeah, attractive. yeah. She's more like Hollywood attractive, but everybody else is just like because even I think Julia is attractive, but she's like a very normal person you would see in the supermarket, attractive, right? Yeah. So I think Frank is just, I, I he's just an average-looking guy, but attractive enough. You know what I mean? He's a bad, bad guy. He's very... And that's it. Know. It's not even about his... It's, it's about his... It's his vibe. Yeah, it's his vibe. Absolutely, He's Dan dangerous. Dan. He's dangerous. His vibe fucking sucks. Knife and yeah, brawl. Oh, my God, you guys. When we were in Seaside, we were just walking down the street, minding our own goddamn business, and some guy just leaning against a building makes eye contact with me and goes, you're giving off Kelly Clarkson vibes. Sweet. And we, Alex and I just laughed, and I was proud of myself for not saying thank you, like, normal, well, thanks, and then, like, obsessing about it for hours. <laughs> but instead, we just laughed at him. <laughs> was he eating crickets off his glove? <laughs> <laughs> it was so annoying, and then I, like, hyper-focused on it all day. And then we went to immediately to lunch, and this table of just, like, brunch gals... Um, just the worst fashion, uh, very into shabby chic, I would imagine. 
And then as we were leaving, they were like, collectively, we love your dress. Like they all did a little like, let's say we like her dress at the same time. So I had a whole table of moms tell me that they liked my dress. Like within 30 minutes of being told I'm giving off Kelly Clarkson vibes, who was a solid 10 years older than me. I was like, I'm throwing away this dress and I'm never going public again. <laughs> That's my vibe story. Continue. All right. Now weave that back into the movie. Um, I wish someone would uh, strip the flesh off of that guy's bones to regenerate themselves because that guy fucking sucked. Boom. Roasted. All right. <laughs> so the next part. Okay. So at this point, we're seeing the string of victims being led into the house. So Frank can re- What's the word? Like reform. Regenerate. Yeah. Regenerate. Thank you. And on the third victim, Kirsty sees Julia taking a man into the house. And that's when things oh, because because the husband, who's just a real dimwit, is like, mm, your stepmom is being weird, and she never wants to leave the house, and she won't fuck me, but I can't tell you that because you're my daughter. Uh, he's like, go say hi, go make friends with her when it's obvious that they hate each other. Yeah, clearly. Um, and so she shows up, but it did seem like she was peeping. You know, it wasn't like yeah. she just walked up at the same time. She she was sneaking through the bushes. Anyways, but yeah. I just felt it was important to, to note that the husband is so fucking oblivious to the body count happening in his house and like coming home and is he's always calling his wife's name and she's not answering because she's sneaking around upstairs and locking herself in bathrooms and cleaning blood off of her face, like finishing her orgasm or whatever. And he's like, will you go make friends with my wife? <laughs> There's a supernatural cadaver living in his attic and he has no idea. So yeah, the guy's a little out of touch with what's going on. Yeah, around. Larry, yeah. yeah, he's he's not the brightest bulb and he also doesn't really know much about basic uh, human tasks. Uh, for example, you know, when he cut his hand on the nail, he just like is has his arm in his hand, <laughs> was bleeding out and he just like kind of throws it his own hand kind of like at his wife like can you do something please about <laughs> this killed ma'am <laughs> no it's because he was because um, blood made him woozy so he, he couldn't but look he at managed it. to climb up all the way up the stairs into the attic but and barely. then he's like well he could have climbed down maybe are you feeling instead. defensive of this asshole i don't know you know I wouldn't call him an asshole. I kind of feel like he got He's a bad. He got a bad end of the deal. I feel like no, no, no. He was an asshole from the start. It Larry? wasn't just that he was oblivious. Yes, I think he was so fucking condescending and passive aggressive to her through the move-in process. Like, I don't know. He was just being a dick. You know, she, you, you know, she was fucking his brother and murdering people. But he right? didn't know that. <laughs> he was still choosing to be a dick, and he didn't even They're know. They're both that. dicks. They're yeah. both dicks. But for Larry. I would say that, you know, he, like, what's what's that phrase? Like, um, weaponized incompetence. Yes. I think that's a little bit of a, a, a fitting description for him. And um, it just kind of seems like he's not really giving her the emotional support or intimacy that she needs from the relationship. Yeah, that's how I see so him. She, yeah. And so it's like she was. We don't need to get into ethics of is wrong to fucking cheat on someone. It's not ideal. We should but, really get into it. I think we need to settle it once and for all. Everybody, listen up. Yeah. This is a public service announcement. <laughs> Anyways, so uh, so yeah, their daughter, her uh, Kirsty, Larry's daughter, stumbles upon something fishy going on in the house. Back to your chair. Oh, yeah. So, yes. Okay. So, this is... Uh, so, she goes into the house, and she... Uh, what happens? 
She goes upstairs, and how, how does she confront she's Frank? She's scared. Yeah. And she's like, something bad is going on. And meanwhile, there's a man getting slaughtered upstairs. But did the man come, the man came out. That's, that's. She goes up the stairs and then she sees a man reaching out and he's like, help me. And his skin is falling off. Yeah. The life force has been sucked off of, he's half sucked. Uh, Which totally fits. Yeah. I mean, it fits the theme. And she reaches out instead of running away like a reasonable person. (laughs) Uh, And that's when she sees Frank, who's just around the corner holding him. He's the the only reason this guy hasn't fallen on his face is because Frank's holding on to him right. from inside the room. Yeah, and she sees him and she's like, "Gross, what is that?" <laughs> yeah, and he doesn't he you know, "Hey, it's me." I'm well, he's I'm me. It's Frank. Yeah. No, he's like he's like trying to calm him down. Like, "Hey, it's me. It's Uncle Frank. It's okay. It's Uncle Frank." And then immediately after saying it's Uncle Frank, he says, "Come to Daddy." And then he goes, "Come to Daddy." Yeah, he feels a little bit sexually inappropriate a with little? his niece. Yeah, just uh, a touch. I interpreted it as problematic, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So they get into a, like kind of a scuffle, at which point she somehow gets her hands on the puzzle box and escapes the house. And at this point, she is now wandering the streets, covered in Frank's goop and uh, looking dazed and confused. Oh my god, the eighties were fucking obsessed with maggots and goo like Mm -hmm. this movie has two maggot scenes unrelated great great maggot scenes the second of which i have notes on the bud the goo budget on this film i mean anyway i just needed to say the the budget was one million dollars and most of it went to goo (laughs) yeah just nine hundred thousand so she's walking the streets and passes out kirsty and she wakes up in a hospital. She has the box, though. Well, she's given the box because she can't remember what happened. And either the nurse or the doctor says, well, you had this on you. Maybe this will bring your memory back. So they give her the puzzle box back. And she starts messing oh, with wait, wait, it. Wait, 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 wait. What the fuck was with that hospital? It was like a ghost hospital where you wake up and you're in period dress suddenly. And all the doctors are in <laughs> period dress. And everything's dirty and dingy. And you wake up and you are in a real hospital modern from the 80s. I don't understand the vibe of that hospital. It really felt like an abandoned hospital with not real doctors. To me, it looked like kind of like a... Um stereotypical like psychiatric like hospital from like the tuberculosis era you know just kind of like but why except that it's just vibes i thought it i I think it might have been a psychiatric hospital i mean they did lock her in the room yeah and and she you know seemed like she was out of it and kind of whatever anyway so she's in this hospital room (laughs) she's thumbing around with the puzzle box and winds up solving the puzzle which then opens the doors to the cenobites oh i loved it so much is it that is it that wall opening like one like just freaking awesome i loved it because one of my favorite movies of all time is beetlejuice and i think beetlejuice came out right after this one and so it's like aha Totally see that they loved the the people who made Beetlejuice loved this movie. Knock three times. I said the same yep. thing about Thirteen Ghosts, which is not a good movie. Terrible movie. But it is a terrible movie um, that I used to own on DVD. Anyway, uh, 
But but Thirteen Ghosts is so similar. They just like made it on a bigger scale and like imagine the whole house is a puzzle box. But then yeah, like having the the like very distinct cast of characters sort of like swoop in from the dark side. I don't know a lot of movies that do shit like this where it's like surprise bitch, here's a whole new world and the movie's almost over. Yeah. Yeah, it really shifts gear when you talk about the sequel kind of being crammed into this movie because it does. It yeah. just it's a real all of a sudden it's a big shift. And then the main yeah, the main character is suddenly the daughter at this yeah. point. Yeah, mm-hmm. and and the location's completely different at this point, and uh, the the what they're needing to do is completely different because what what so what happens is she summoned the Cenobites, and the Cenobites are like, oh great, the things will show you, and like are ready to take her to the dimension that they're from sexy violent yeah sexy violent dungeon place and um she goes wait 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 she's she's like let's strike a deal frank got away from you i'll get you frank if you let me go can we talk about what they look like can we Uh, i would love to talk about what they look you want to get into the cinnabites oh god i mean we just introduced them i'm ready to talk Okay, okay, so... My personal favorite is Earthworm Jim with sunglasses. He looks just like a worm. Which one was he? Just uh, a worm. His name's guy. Butterball. The one with the glasses who have the, oh. the sewn eyes when he takes his glasses. And he's constantly licking his mouth. Yeah. I loved him. <laughs> I loved the chattering boy. Oh, I loved his long... Yeah. <laughs> Like, he would be so good at eating corn on the cob. <laughs> yeah, a man after my own heart. Do you guys know anything about the lore of the Cenobites outside of this movie? Absolutely not. What okay. do you think? Only that they like nipples and they like nailing body parts to a plank. Okay. Um, and they like some chains and they also are uh, vaguely sensual about it all. Yes. And they all have some sort of... Um, V- vaginal-esque cuts in their bodies. Yeah. <clears throat> oh, I didn't... Do you know what the... So they don't call it in... So in the book, they're called the Order of the Gash. So maybe... Oh. That, maybe that has <laughs> so that's the word I was looking for. <laughs> <laughs> that fits, I guess. Yeah. So that Also could... very naked lunch. Yeah. And so what the Cenobites are... Uh, and it, there, there's a little bit of inconsistency throughout the lore because there are 11 movies and there are um, tons of comics and other media that explore the Cenobites. And it's not all written by Clive Barker. But uh, the Cenobites uh, are former humans who were um, hedonists and uh, sadists who were obsessed with exploring uh, all types of pleasures and, and carnal pleasures and stuff. Definitely and, got fired from their jobs, whatever their jobs were. Well, they so <laughs> what happens is they wind up in hell and they formed a religion. And so Pinhead is actually a priest. He's a, he's like a priest amongst this congregation. And their whole religion is centered about um, moving through all these outer dimensions and to explore the the full capacity of pleasure and pain to the point that they don't, they can't tell the difference between the two. I have to say something. Yes. There are movies that are complicated and they over explain it. And then there are movies that are overly complicated and make little to no effort to explain themselves 
about anything. And that's what this movie is. You have, like, Dracula, which the book is, like, it's very long. It's so long. And it, like, explains all of the the backstory behind the behavior of all of the vampires. And every little element is explained. If it's supernatural, there's an explanation for it. And then in the movie... They were like, we can still put in all that creepy stuff, but no one needs to know why it's happening. And they were really good at balancing, like, which parts do we need to fill in the blanks for and build some lore, and which are just, like, mood and an atmosphere. This movie is like, let's include everything and hint that there's a backstory behind it all, but then just, like, not talk about it. <laughs> it's such a weird choice. The well, tone is so strange. Well, there's, there's, there's a few reasons for that. Uh, one of the reasons is... Um, again, this is from a book called, also written by Clive Barker. Clive Barker wrote this and the screenplay for the movie, which he also directed. And so, um, the in the book, and I think it's so. Called, there's no excuse. So the Cenobites are the main attraction in the book. So that's why there's there is as a, they should be, which they should. Okay, be. Okay, just. Really quickly, I just want it to be known that you keep saying Cenobites, and it reminds me of Cinnabon. <laughs> and now I really want a Cinnabon. <laughs> like, wait, what are they called at Taco Bell when they're the, just the bite-sized ones? Yeah, I think that they are like Cinnabites. Are they Cinnabites? <laughs> I think that they're Cinnabites. We've been smoking weed throughout this recording, by the way. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Thank you, Danny, for that contribution. Yes, Continue. thank you. Yeah, I'm happy to be here to do that. <laughs> I forgot my list. I was on... I was on one. What was my first reason? Oh, yeah, because they explain it in the book. The other reason, so there was a shift when they did the movie where they focused more on the human beings. The other reason was that they had to censor a lot of stuff. Um, and so they actually had to, like, take out a lot of scenes that got Couldn't more- cause a, put a lot of attention to the gashes. Right. Yeah. <laughs> well, there there's extended scenes- all the really horrific scenes that are in this movie have like a couple extra minutes added of just like it was getting banned in countries and was getting an X rating X rating, so they just had to remove That makes it. sense. Yeah. So it's real goopy. So there's a lot of stuff that's removed for that reason. Um, and like I said, there's eleven sequels. So I mean they do get into it eventually. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's it's like, the, that's, if there had been no follow-up and no exploration, like, world-building after this movie, I would be outraged, but it is, pri- it's just primed for, to, to build a, like a, what is it called, like a series, or, yeah. um, to build a, a good lore universe, around yeah. it, yeah. Yeah, I, I did definitely want more story and background and lore about the oh, Cinnabon. Yeah, I wish I had a, a little bit more of that. I think the, that's the I sequel, part two, actually um, mm-hmm. goes more into the Cinnabites and, and is uh, mm-hmm. a good sequel, good follow-up. I've heard from people that they liked the sequel better than the first I one. actually do. I do, too. Because it gets more into the Cenobites and it's more into the lore. Then you start getting into the lore and it's far less of that uh, British melodrama that is so throughout this movie. <laughs> so, so yeah. I feel like they weren't committed to to investing in the in the characters because we don't like any of them. I don't feel particularly compelled by any of them. Even the main big bad guy that we're supposed to be so afraid of, he he's like a squirmy little worm, just like s- splashing around <laughs> in the attic, and and being a dick, just being a flat out dick. Um, and so I w- and even like 
if they're going to switch suddenly and the the main character will severely shift to being the daughter, like, give us a little bit more of her in the first half so that we feel invested in her and, like, expect her to step up. Like, there's just, it's, it feels disconnected. Have you ever seen Superman 1 and 2, the or the Christopher Reeves Superman no. 1 and 2? Okay. So the, the first Superman feels like this movie, and the second one, which I think is a better movie, completes the first movie. And so that's kind of how this movie is. Like, the first movie kind of sets the table, and then you really get the full course in the second movie and it is marlon brandon in both of them Mar- marlon brando uh yeah he plays uh, superman's dad in both of them uh or was yeah, he only yeah, yeah. in the first one uh well he shows up as like a projection so like when he goes to his fortress of solitude like a projection of his father so i think he's in both of them yeah i just recently found out that he was in it and yeah. it's such a strange choice yeah, he, spe- he he mispronounces the planet they're from throughout the whole Yeah, movie, like that annoying. was the stage in his career where he was like, oh, I'm going to get a paycheck and I don't have to do fucking shit. No. Like he just completely went off the rails and you have to admire it except that he like ruined careers <laughs> because of his behavior. And like Alex was telling me, I want to read his biography. I just haven't committed to it. I know it's going to be great. I haven't committed to it, but he, in his later years, had, like, a private acting class that he held out of his house, and he had the whole place bugged. Like, he was secretly recording audio and video, and it was, like, it was, it was, like, an eccentric billionaire that invites people over just to fuck with them psychologically. (laughs) Like, it had that kind of vibe. Um, I don't know. He's a fascinating guy with a very complicated life. I would have liked to have seen uh, Marlon Brando play Frank, actually, in this movie. Oh, my God. (gasps) Bruh. (laughs) That's a different story. Oh, my God. I would watch that movie annually as a ritual. (laughs) Uh, For which holiday? Valentine's. (laughs) Perfect. Perfect. Yeah. Uh, well, with the way deep fakes are these days, you know, you might be able to get that, actually. Insert Marlon Brando into... Uh, oh, my uh, God, bro! Get ChatGPT on the line. <laughs> right now. <laughs> oh, my God. If it... I got six okay, bucks in my pocket right now, ready to throw down. <laughs> How much is this thing going to cost to pull off? Yeah, it'll take your six $1 bills from your wallet. Okay, so full dis- full disclosure, I was ten when I first saw this movie, and uh, oh, and did it feel sexy? Y- you know, that's what I'm leaning into here. Yeah, in a very confusing way. Yeah, absolutely. I and uh, I actually found Julia really attractive when I was a kid, but it's only. Can I? Yeah, go ahead. Tell you, I need to. I need to say something to the group right now, and Chance. Uh-oh. I hope you don't. Get upset should, should that I'm I take calling you out like this. Okay. But Chance and I were talking about Tremors before we all watched it. Or it came up in conversation, which could be any conversation because Oh, I know Tremors where you're going. This is a, all the damn time. But about oh, this in the car. you were saying like your yeah, he Chance was telling me like his taste in uh, or like what he finds attractive, physically attractive has changed and he's like surprising himself. And he's and the first example out of his mouth was like I rewatched Tremors the other 
day. And Reba McIntyre was really cute. (laughs) (laughs) She was. And I never, ever. I had seen that movie. I've seen Tremors a trillion times. She's the best part of the movie. She's the best actor in the movie. Her performance is the best performance in the movie. Yeah, she's hilarious. But I never thought, I never saw like, yeah, you know. But the last time I watched it. Very mom. She yeah, like a very and like, oh, I'm I'm a scientist. Look at how scientist like I yeah. am. That was perfect. While 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 Julia was a was having sex with cadaver people, so yeah, different kind of vibe. So how do we get on this topic? Oh yeah, I was <laughs> I was attracted to Julia as a kid when I saw this movie at, at ten. And not only did I, see I feel this like movie, if I watched this as a young young kid, like ten. I would feel differently about how sexy it felt. Yeah, yeah, because it's it's not their avatars for a more abstract concept that's going on and at I'm the time. 10. I don't know that that man is emotionally immature. Yeah, none, yeah. none of that. <laughs> none of that is coming into play. Um, so yes, there was a weird sexual confusion when I saw this movie. Good for you. Thank you. Not only did I have this movie, I had this and the second one on VHS. So it's not like I watched it once. I watched it all the time like I watched it on a regular basis so I think okay I seriously don't remember where we left off she's in the hospital she summons she's, the Cinnabites yes and they're like how about this box does this ring a bell like the doctor is so aggressive for no reason so she okay so we got past that part she makes a deal with the Cinnabites to instead of her going with the Cinnabites that they would she would get Frank back to them yeah because apparently if you solve the box you I guess consent to being taken to this sexy torture dungeon yeah. and be sexy tortured. Yeah. Um, she she was trying to argue, saying that, well, uh, you know, I had no idea from this box that was presented to me that that would mean that I would be, you know, given up my life to go be sexy torture dungeon. She was such a good negotiator because she was like, like, but you never let people get away. However... My Uncle Frank got away, so maybe does that make you feel bad about yourself? <laughs> yeah, I don't think I would have had the wherewithal to uh, go down that road. I would have been a little too, like, holy fuck, I'm about to be sexy tortured. Yeah, yeah. she was, like, immediately calculated. Yeah, she did. She did. I mean, they kind of ba- they kind of went back on their uh, promise, but, I mean, they're... Yeah, girl yeah. boss. So, <laughs> <laughs> so, they, uh, so she runs back to the house. Right, with this plan of getting Frank back to the Cenobites so that she can be spared. And when she gets there, she sees her dad and Julia, but it's not her dad, is it? It's not Larry. Who is it? I'm me. I'm Brother Frank. <laughs> come come to Daddy. But wearing exactly. Larry's face. <laughs> um, what kind of fucking daughter doesn't notice that there's like a surgical wound around the entire perimeter of her dad's face that is actively oozing and yeah. bleeding. <laughs> she doesn't even clock it. <laughs> she's been through a lot in the last few hours at this point. Yeah, it's just been blood. She's, yeah, she's she's been covered in blood for like a day, so. That's fair. Um, but you're right. I actually thought that. I never noticed that until I, this last rewatching. I'm like, they're just conversating and he's like got <laughs> blood all over his head. Like, she's not even like, are you okay? Or, um <laughs> So, yes, it turns out that it, uh, Larry's now dead. He was the – because the, the the crux of it was they needed to get Frank back looking human because they needed to get 
going because he knew the Cenobites would be after him. So uh, he's on the lamb. He's on the lamb from the Cenobites. But as hard as he tries, he's only able to get a little tissue on the bones. Not too much yeah, skin. But he knew he he knew he only needed like one more. And at first, Julia was keeping Frank from killing Larry for whatever reason, even though she doesn't love him. But ultimately, the pressure was on. They needed to get out of there. So Frank kills Larry and takes his skin. She, yeah, she like stops him by like making the moves on him, which we know was a point of contention in their relationship. And she's doing it now to save his life. And so they have like a a moment of reconnection, which Brother Frank isn't a fan of. No, he hates it. He wants that skin for himself. Yeah. If you know yeah, yeah, I know exactly. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay, so back to Frank being in Larry's skin and Larry now being dead. <laughs> now now Larry is a puddle of goo and bone up in the attic yeah. at this point. But not squirming. But not squirming. He's, no, just, he's just goo and goo He's and stationary bone. goo. And, uh, and at first... Kirsty's falling for the ruse. She thinks it's her dad, even though he's acting super weird, and so is Julia. Yeah. And and his face appears to be. And so his not. face <laughs> seems to be slipping off the bone. So, uh, but she seems to be okay. And his eyes are a different color. Oh and, no, they're darker. And I don't know why his voice changed though, right? Because like it wasn't Frank's voice at the point; it was Larry's voice, and that doesn't make any sense. Because your voice is not connected um, to your yeah. skin. This is the one part. Yeah, this isn't <laughs> yeah. scientific at all. For a movie so focused on anatomy, they really don't understand. That's it. Right. <laughs> uh, I, I would disagree. Uh, oh, I remember. So she does. Kirsty doesn't know that her dad's dead, and so she goes up in the attic, and the Cenobites appear to get come get Frank, and they see the cadaver, which is Larry, on the floor. And, and they're like, we want the sexy guy. That yeah, did this. who's the hot dude that did this awesome thing? And uh, he seems like a cool. We want to. We, we want to hang out with that guy. <laughs> we want a sexy hang with that guy. So they. Uh, but Kirsty thinks they're talking about her dad because she still doesn't know that it's Frank. So she's trying to stop. Yeah. Them. So she's trying to stop them. The Cenobites are now in the house seeking out Frank and Larry's skin. And what happens to where she realizes that it's not. He says something creepy, right? He says, come to daddy. Classic yeah. yep. Frank. Says, yeah, and, he, and, and then pulls his little Frank blade out. And says, it's and me, brother Frank. It's Frank blade. <laughs> yeah. Hey, it's me, brother Flank. Flank? Oh, can I say uh, one thing? I said flank by accident, but that actually that actually uh, reminds me of a cool scene. Um, when he's standing over the bed and he fillets that rat. With his knife, I I actually looked away, so I didn't it see it happen. It was so gnarly. Like, I'm not overly squeamish in horror movies. But I like knew that it was going to be absolutely disgusting, and when it's animal torture, it you know it makes me want to throw up. So I didn't actually. It was watch hard it. for me because unfortunately I had prepared spaghetti for dinner that night, and I sat yeah. down to watch the movie with my spaghetti, and it was immediately clear that that was a bad decision. Wrong decision. <laughs> uh-huh. Glass of lemon water. That's all. That's that's the only thing you should be consuming while watching this movie. To help with scabies. To help with scabies and urinary tract infections. That was not the um, issue here, but thank you. Okay. <laughs> Which one? Scabies or urinary tract infections? Uh, all of the above. Oh, okay. <laughs> Glad we cleared that up. But why? Why did that need to happen with the rat? 
it was like completely out of fucking nowhere and it didn't do anything. It didn't add or take away anything. It didn't change the course of the scene. Like it, it was just like watching. He's a naughty boy, Tanya. And that furthered his. Yeah, he's a sadomasochist. So I think it's, yeah, yeah. It's just him being Frank. It's just what Frank, Frank nails rats to the wall. That's what he does. I'm going to be Frank's therapist for a moment. And let's, let's think about this because. Let's delve into Frank. Frank has developed a dynamic with his girlfriend that's secretive, which doesn't feel good, but she's been serving him like literal meat, like human flesh to help regenerate him. She's been so selfless. She's become a murderer for him. And he's really started to take that for granted. And he realizes that, but he's trapped in that cycle of like, well, she has to because she's chained to me psychosexually or whatever. Um, but now he's got his real human boy body, and uh, it's his turn to sacrifice some blood for her. So while she's boinking her husband, he's like, I killed this rat for you. I know it's not much, and I'll never fully repay you, but it was his way to be like, I care about you. I know I'm a dick. It's like when a cat, you know, they kill a bird out in the wild, like an outdoor exactly. hat, a cat, you know, an outdoor cat with a hat, and they <laughs> kill a bird and they bring it to you as their owner. Usually not or, psychosexually, I don't think, in that case, but... We don't know. We don't know. Sure. We don't. So um, it's very similar in this situation. So okay. the, so right. we're almost to the end of this movie. They're, <laughs> they're uh, Kirsty, Frank and Larry Skin, and Julia are uh, now kind of fighting and wrestling around on the staircase. And Frank pulls out his knife, and he goes to stab Kirsty, but he gets Julia instead. And he goes, what does he say? He's like, oh, nothing personal. Sorry. And then he sucks her life force out. So clearly Frank didn't actually care about Julia at all. Obviously was, not. Uh, oh, really? I thought I thought that was the twist. If only there were <laughs> several indicators that could have yeah. predicted this behavior from the it was like start. The, it was like the sixth sense. I was like, what? He was dead the whole time? Yeah. But if Marlon Brando played that character, it would It would have been more subtle, absolutely. Um, So he kills Julia, sucks her life force, continues to chase Kirsty up the stairs, back into the attic. He's about to corner her and stab her, and then the Cenobites arrive once again. And they send it, take him back. That's right, they do. And how do they do that? You guys remember? Spooky chains? Remember Spooky chains? They fish hooked him, right? All through his body. They fish hooked the shit out of him. Yeah, and his face was all stretched. And then he sticks his tongue out and his face is all stretched like like the movie Brazil. And then he like does this creepy little like tongue move at his niece. And Jesus wept. Well, I think I think once he was back in the gri- this is how I took it. Once he was back in the grip of the Cenobites, he almost moved back into that realm of like pain and pleasure. Oh, sexy torture! He wasn't not into it. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. He kind of was into it. I mean, it doesn't sound like he was super excited about it, but you know, he got something out of it. You know. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. what he got out of it was ripped <laughs> into a million pieces and exploding. Um, but it's not quite over. Because the Cenobites still want Kirsty. Yeah, the sexy lady one. Yeah. It's like, we're not done with you. Yeah, yeah. All, <laughs> it's a fucking sausage party in this motherfucker. <laughs> a, it, 
I mean, it was the right choice to to sick the woman after her because it did make it feel sexier. <laughs> yeah. She's sexier. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. I was oddly attracted to her as well in a weird way. Yeah, she had good proportions. Yeah, her bone structure, face is like, apart from all the hellish torture. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so they're chasing her. But somehow she magically uh, realizes that she can solve. Yeah, the that she can reverse all the movements of the puzzle box that then uh, send the Cenobites back to their dimension, and then bit of a Jumanji situation, if you ask mm-hmm. me. <laughs> and that's exactly what it was. And then um, her. Uh, oh, I f- we forgot to talk about her boyfriend. It doesn't matter. She has some fucking boyfriend. No, he literally does not. Why did he need to show up at all? In the end. Your guess is as good as mine. They de- they didn't need him in the movie, period. Yeah, he doesn't need to be... No. There was no yeah. reason for it. Our, have you read the book, Chance? Uh, excerpts of it, and I've read a lot of the comics. I'm just wondering, like, if his... If he... If there was a boyfriend in the book... I, I'm and pretty sure had, there was. Like, a role that was more than just showing up and be like, hey, babe. <laughs> <laughs> oh, she's in a hospital. Bummer. Oh, sucks. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what the motivation was, because he shows up, does nothing. He reached... There's one scene where he like tries to reach for the box to try to help and she just smacks his hand and then like solves the puzzle and fixes the problem so it's like he didn't need to be there at mm-hmm. all um and then they uh oh okay and then was a house catches on fire something like the box that. Is, something like that and then the box is in the debris that's on fire and then the bum that we didn't really talk about who's eating crickets earlier um shows up he reaches in grabs the box then he turns into a skeleton dragon thing, flies away. The fucking dragon. Fly, flies away, and then we cut back to Morocco, to that same Chinese guy, now reselling the box to somebody else. Equally as sweaty. Okay. Mm-hmm. My, my most important note for the filmmaker is just don't put the dragon in it. <laughs> just don't do it. If you say the word dragon... Just be like, okay, we've gone too far. Because I'm sure that it's explained in the book and it doesn't come out of fucking nowhere. It's part of the larger world that you don't have time to build in an hour and a half. It's not like a medieval dragon, by the way. Oh my gosh, you can't defend this choice, Chance. I will say that if you had to cut either the de- the demon dragon thing out or the boyfriend, I would still choose the boyfriend. Correct. But also if I had to choose because I have been playing this or that with Alex against his will for a few days. So I'm sort of in a binary state at the moment. And uh, I have to say the dragon is a detriment. The boyfriend is just no addition. It's just pointless. But the dragon with like no lead up, no explanation it's just like the it does it's not like I think oh my god no we're in medieval times now no 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 like it's all demons it's whatever like demon dragon like, thing. it's a demon dragon yeah. but uh but it was it was it was but yeah. then we wouldn't have known how the box got back to Morocco yeah it doesn't, it doesn't matter. matter we don't need to know that because what do we <laughs> do with that information joke. oh <laughs> <laughs> I don't know dude. You heard the, you you heard me talk about tremors that was a tense conversation I know, I don't, I know. you know what. You know what that episode did? It it gave our relationship some tremors. It did. <laughs> I need to leave. <laughs> but but that joke just healed it, so it's okay. We're, we're all yeah. right again. <laughs> You're welcome. No, I really wasn't mad. I was just con- I wasn't mad through that. I bet if you listen to it, I might sound mad, but it's actual 
complete confusion. confusion. We completely blindsided you, to be fair. I I was really stoned, and I was not expecting... That kind of hostility and resistance. Listen, if the shoes were on the other foot, I would have been way worse. (laughs) If you said you didn't like my favorite movie, I I wouldn't... That's why I lie every time. (laughs) Jesus Christ. And that's friendship. That's right. (laughs) I lie to you because I love you. That's healthy. I like that. Hey, that's the sub. That's like that's like the tagline of this movie. <laughs> uh, anyways, so yeah, that's okay. So that's the movie. I think we got to the end, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I think so. Uh, we got the dragon. We got the dragon. They flew away. It zoomed out to a weird box in Morocco. Okay, yeah, it's over. Ta-da. Someone who wants to start with their their impressions and take of just the gestalt of the whole thing. I this movie was kind of lo- loaded for me because I I hadn't seen it before and I have really distinct memories of going to the video store in our little town and looking at the horror covers like sneaking into the horror section to look at the covers and it was like that cover with Pinhead first of all just having that image as like the main image for this thing it was like disorienting watching it and being like, but where's the guy? That yeah, same. <laughs> the whole time I was like, Pinhead's the guy that we're going to be talking about here. I don't know. The design of that character is great. It's unique. It's super cool. And it felt like the one movie that was off limits. Like I might go insane if I watch it. <laughs> like it felt so scary that I avoided it for my entire life. And I've eventually just got to a point where I was like, well, if I've avoided it this long, it's like probably not worth watching. And this last Halloween, just six months ago, did I just do that off the top of my head? Is that real? Somebody tell me if that's Yes, actual. you ha- just uh, were able to pull off third grade math <laughs> in your head. I can't tell you how proud I am right now. I have, you know, you're always um, surprised when you achieve something like this, and yet you still have a speech prepared. (laughs) Anyway, um, I forgot what I was saying. (laughs) I was just so scared of this movie. So this past Halloween, I was like, this is the year that I'm going to watch Pinhead, and I'm going to tell my brother, and he's going to be so proud of me. And I popped it in, and... Within minutes, I was like, before we even get past the flashback scene of just him opening the box and there's lights and it's mostly just lights and shadows, um, I was like, nope. And I turned it off and I was like, I'm not in the mood for this. And then I watched Practical Magic. And so I feel like watching this movie now makes me feel so silly because if I had watched it early on, I would have realized that it my percent or like my the giant blank that I filled in was just nebulously more scary than this movie actually was. And I was relieved to have watched it. I feel like I'm entering a new stage in life. Thank you so much. Awesome. Well, let me say one thing about Pinhead real quick, since you kind of focused on him. Uh, In this movie, like his name isn't Pinhead technically. I just know that from cultural ephemera. Well, that's the, the, I think either someone, I think either crew, it started with the crew and then eventually made its way to, pop culture where they just called him pinhead obviously because he's got a bunch of pins in his head um but that's not actually technically his name he might have taken on that name in further um in installments of the series i haven't seen them all 
why was he on all of the multimedia for release? I like, think that's a marketing. Yeah, yes. but was yeah. it after he became popular or before? Uh, they probably. It's hard to tell. I know that post like the first and second films when Pinhead became Pinhead, then he became the poster boy on purpose. Well, but but it might have been a way that it, also he is the leader of the Cenobites, yeah. so that's partly why he got chosen. And also, he is really compelling to look at. Yeah, you know on I mean? the theatrical release poster, it does have him on there, so he was, okay. like, a staple. Which made, yeah, like, my my interpretation of what this movie would be was totally different based on, based on what little exposure I had to it, which was essentially movie posters. Uh, well, the second one goes into Pinhead, but the second... Uh, the inst- inst- okay. So they actually show Pinhead okay. as a human and how he becomes Pinhead. And it goes... How much time passed in between? Between what? The films? Oh, I'm yeah. not sure. So the first one came out in 87. And oh, the sec- me too. Oh. <laughs> when did the second one come out? Oh, the next year. Uh, 88, yeah. yeah. I wonder if they filmed these back-to-back. Because like I said, they feel like they complete each other in a way. But anyways... Um, a lot of the stuff that you kind of filled in the blank in your head about the first movie take a lot. I think what you imagine happens in the second movie. And I think that's why a lot of people. I love, bet that's why people. Yeah. yeah they like yeah. it more because it feels more like a classic 80s big bad guy. Mm-hmm. movie. Well, they understood. They understood what they had at that point after the first one. They realized. Yeah. What everybody was responding to and then kind of made that the focus. So. But that's what's so cool about the Cenobites is even though they're a minor aspect of the first movie. And loaded with uh, carbs. And <laughs> no, Cenobites. <laughs> um, they're, so, they're so compelling and cool that like, uh, I don't know. I want to see them have an orgy. Can you imagine? <laughs> uh, I'm on Pornhub right now. Oh my God. <laughs> I don't think it's the original actors from the 87 film, though. You know, the only experience I had with Hellraiser before watching this movie was I when I saw Cabin in the Woods when it came out, and there was, like, a nod to that monster in that film. Um, when the, the scene where they're exploring the house, and they go down to the attic, and there's all these little trinkets that would trigger a certain monster to come after them. I remember the box was there. Um, That was like one item. And then I remember when they, you know, see all of the monsters in the underground lair. I think Pinhead was in a a scene in there. I want to see that movie again. You've mentioned it. You've like brought it up in the last couple. I love that movie. It was a great surprise. I I had no expectations going into that movie. And it totally was like, holy shit, this is fucking genius and awesome. Uh, so, Dan Dan, let's hear what you have to say about Hellraiser. I, you know, I was surprised. I really liked it. Um, you know, I, I'm i not usually, I'm not much of an 80s horror uh, aficionado, I guess. I, I've enjoyed some of the, like, really popular ones, but I had never seen Hellraiser. But I really enjoyed it. Um, I liked how goopy it was. Yes. That was definitely a big favorite. I really like those like kind of practical effects. Um, and even though some of them were real campy and cheesy, like the the nail fun, stabbing, though. it was yeah, it was just like gratuitous and silly. And I enjoy I enjoy that a lot. Um, 
And I, I loved it, even though they were like little <laughs> things like the snapping, the cutting of the bra strap that I wanted to like punch someone in the throat about for a second. But aside from all of that, I really enjoyed it. And actually kind of think that added to the experience of it being a little bit of like an, a, a gem from a, a bygone time. And you're also just supposed to be grossed out the whole time. Yeah, you're supposed yeah. to be like, ugh, the yeah, whole time. Yeah. From the decor to the yeah, maggots. you're supposed and, to go, oh, come on. Constantly. <laughs> what is this? Um, what'd you guys think of the demon puppet? Like when she goes, when she first goes into that hallway, when, when she's in the hospital and opens up the door to the Cenobite realm. Yeah, that thing cracked me up. It, it makes me it laugh It reminded too. me of Beetlejuice, actually. It reminded me of like when you're at the, the like Bureau of Ghost Affairs, whatever, whatever the <laughs> office right. is, you know, um, and they've got like... You know, everyone has their own job, and uh, largely it depends on the whatever, however their body has been uh-huh. deformed through their death. So you've got the guy that was like flattened, and he's like going through the file cabinets on like a mm-hmm. wire. It just it gave me that kind of campy yep. vibe of like, so this guy can't walk. We strung him up so he can still participate. <laughs> It's very inclusive if you think about it, you know? Someone's at the end of that hallway and pushed him. <laughs> like, okay, go! <laughs> yeah, they, they had to set up that whole rigging for him and, like... Workers' rights. Um, so, uh, yeah, that puppet... So, that puppet for me is his hysterical and it's one of my favorite things in 80s horror movies and that's people in physical combat with puppets. Oh my god, Chance, yeah. that exact phrase is, like, your defining creep. Like what you bring to the creep table what? is humans F- fighting puppets. Fighting hand to hand combat. With. There's been a lot of puppets in the movies I've selected so far. That is that is like the common thread yeah. for you. Your your practical effect of choice is puppetry. Well, I told you already. I was raised by puppets. Uh, oh, I see. In the 80s and 90s. Oh my god, I didn't know that was biologically it, possible. It is. Well, they're not. They're your not real my real. Thing. It was. He doesn't. How show, would but. you dare break that to him? Right on. Right on this podcast. I noticed certain features were not matching up, so I. What if we lifted up his sweatshirt and it was a giant human hand? <laughs> <laughs> there was a lot of question on whether I was a human or a puppet for a long time, but we finally got to the yeah. to the bottom you of it. You heard it here first. first. Okay, yeah. so yes, I love that puppet. Uh, there is a scene where you can see the dolly and the wheels that are moving it. That's very briefly, <laughs> like it, it's a quick Man. flash. And it makes yeah. me love it even more. <laughs> and it's yeah, that's that's why it gave it gave off such campy vibes. Like it was pretty. Sloppy. And it's got the puppet arms and the you know it's, I love it. The other effect that I actually really really love, um, I can't remember where it takes place. I think it's um, right when Kirsty finds out that Frank is up there, but she's kind of against the wall or near a door in a shadow, and then that face falls forward. That's half sucked life force out of and then all those maggots start falling out of its mouth yeah it was disgusting. it's such a great little gross mm-hmm. yeah i just love it i do have follow-up questions yeah. for example so we're supposed to assume that he was one of the many victims that she brought back to the yeah. house but his flesh wasn't stripped from his bones why was he just a dead guy there i'm wondering if it was a uh um, frank's like I don't like the way this one tastes. Give me another one. <laughs> well, I'm just wondering if he's taken particular pieces, like in the mummy, oh. versus 
Oh. Kind of like how he took Frank's skin. Yeah, I, okay. Right? Because, like, uh, you know, he didn't regenerate his skin because he, he doesn't look like Frank. It, trying to make yeah, sense of it is it's a losing battle. A fool's I game. I think there's some sort of logic <laughs> behind it. But, um, well, good for you. That's sweet. <laughs> <laughs> uh, if, uh, Chance is the molder. <laughs> I can't imagine that these movies just are great throughout, but I am kind of interested in exploring Hellraiser further. So, I would I suggest know. for a reboot we pick Earthworm Jim Guy with his sunglasses to be the main character. And and he does a lot of bad, disgusting stuff. But he finds love. In I was progress. just going to say, but he finds love. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, uh, and and turns out the lesson is love can be gross, but we all need it. That's beautiful. That's the tagline. That's beautiful. It writes love can itself. be goopy. Oh, good. Who do we talk to about this? <laughs> um, I know a lot about Hollywood. Let me call my friend Marlo Brandon. Marlo. <laughs> <laughs> Get Marlo Brandon on the horn. <laughs> I meant to lead with this from the very beginning, uh, because. Tanya, for those who do not know, bought a spirit box. And this movie is spirit box-ish. <laughs> I mean, in a more yeah. literal sense, yeah. it's a spirit box. It's a box full of yeah. demons. It doesn't play any spooky radio stations, though. So has that changed your thoughts about toying with uh, the demonic device that you purchased via Amazon? Well, no, because... I, first of all, got it on eBay. Oh, okay. Perfect. <laughs> a cursed object, probably. Um, so I only played with it the one time and did get arguably, uh, like, a perfect little creepy clip of I don't know what it was. It was awesome. I played it for Lindsay. It's Brother Frank. <laughs> Is that what you're <laughs> Um, But I have been listening to a lot of podcasts about ghosts and just taking it in and a lot of it is so eye-rolly that it's it's like I get a little bored with it sometimes and it gets a little bit repetitive but um and so I'm like trying to get into that headspace you know but it doesn't take very much I'm afraid of everything (laughs) and uh like the second I believe anything could possibly be real I'm fucked for like a week I can't sleep which happened finally I reached that threshold And last night we got home from the beach and, well, there was a moment when I was in the bathroom where it's just like an old creaky cabin thing, but like I was in the bathroom and I heard the door, like the foundation just settled and it sounded like someone was trying to open the bathroom door. And I was like, I need to lay off the podcast for a bit. Um, And then when we got home last night, I couldn't sleep and I was going to take a bath. So Alex was in bed And, like, the bath is running, and I'm, like, getting a towel, and I hear this really loud squeak noise, like a a dog squeaky toy, like, in my face. It was so loud. And I don't know if it was, like, the basket hit the wall in a weird way. I don't know. But it was also, like, muffled by the water uh, running in the tub. And I swear to you, I was, like, faint Like, my heart was pounding. I turned off the water, and I texted Alex to say, what was that sound? 
And then I hear him come out of the bedroom and he like does the whole house check for me, which I really appreciated. I was like, I guess I'm sleeping in the bathtub tonight because <laughs> I'm definitely not leaving this room. Um, it, it was probably just the basket squeaking on the wall. But anyway, uh, that's where my head is at right now. I like need I need to lay off the ghost content. I'm impressionable. We now turn to our resident skeptic, Danny. Uh, why don't you tell Tanya why she's stupid? Oh my God. Um, that was a Roman Roy line for all of you succession heads. I have no idea. I, I don't even know what any of those words meant that yeah. you said. But um, if you know, you know. And I'm the only. Yeah. One and for the and for the record, I'm on Tanya's side. By the way. I'm. Yeah. No, you can't. I'm. I just can't get there, man. I. Uh, I'm a skeptic. Skeptic. Okay. So Tanya's a liar. Um. <laughs> and then. All right. Um. <laughs> Sorry, I you know I just I absorb too much of Frank's energy on this movie. Yeah, you're just trying to to sow discontent. Uh, I'm sorry. Well, Danny was trying to break up our relationship, and now you're trying to break up my relationship with Danny, and I'm I'm tired of being fought over, actually, quite frankly, um, and it's just getting exhausting, guys. Dan, Dan, this is a good this is a good time to tell Tanya that we're running away together. Yeah, actually, we're forming our own <laughs> podcast uh, called Creep Show Without Tanya. I threw up in my mouth. <laughs> if you ever, if you ever, ever became friends without me, I would murder you and your families. I can't wait till that's played in court uh, to a bunch of sobbing family members and... Tanya all shackled up explaining why she murdered Like a photo Danny. of my bloody corpse mangled. <laughs> Chances is like, you know, a few meters over, there was like a, a house party and you came in like a mad person and just slit both of our throats and then yelled and left. Nah, she'd be more sadistic than that. She'd, she'd stuff my mouth full of peanuts or something and then like... <laughs> I'm allergic to nuts. For okay, that. that's a good yeah. qualifier. Yeah. Otherwise, it's just fucking weird. It would be so easy to kill It would. I am barely hanging on. It's through the miracle of science that I am here tonight. Chance is going to be here Friday and Saturday night and I'm going to try to poison him. <laughs> <laughs> on that, well, we still need to grade Hellraiser. Oh, right, 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 right. Yes. So, Tanya, go first. What do you think? Overall, three and a half. Okay. Dan Dan? I would say also like between a 3.5, um, maybe 3.25 and 3.5. Okay. Um, you know, just personal yeah. preferences. Pref- preferences. Sure. Per- personal preferences. <laughs> well, uh, Dan Dan's having a stroke, <laughs> and I will... Give it a solid four. My stroke uh, or the Hellraiser movie? No, your stroke is a no. Your, yeah, I'm talking about your stroke. I give it a solid four. Okay, thank you. <laughs> Slurring your words, but you're sticking around. Mm-hmm. You're brave. Mm-hmm. Um, no, I give the movie a four. But is that backstroke or front stroke? <laughs> Side oh stroke, God. actually. I can't wait till our comedy CD comes out. <laughs> yeah. We do improv on the side. <laughs> <laughs> it's not gonna do well. <laughs>